This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. Glory, glory to God. Glory to God. Yes, we will not be afraid. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Go ahead and have a seat there where you are. Thank you, worship team, for today. I am so excited to be here with you guys today, and I have the wonderful privilege of sharing the word of God with you guys today. Uh, If you guys don't know, my name is Miss Ayel. I have the privilege of being the Connections Pastor here at Southridge. And one of the things that I get to do besides connecting is stepping in to bat when Pastor Micaiah is enjoying time with his family. And that's the privilege that I have today. So there where you are, uh, I'm going to invite you guys to open up your Bibles to the book of Revelations. And in the book of Revelations... We've been going through the seven churches in the first two or in the first three chapters. And that's exactly where I want to pick up today. And as you guys uh, pick, uh, as you guys find that scripture, I want to take a moment to say thank you also to my beautiful wife, who I believe is here, and my family for just allowing me the time to prepare to share this message with you guys. Um, Also, if this is your first time here with us, we want to welcome you. There's a connection your seat and I'm going to ask that you fill it out and on your way out stop by the connection table and turn it in because we have a very special gift for you so welcome if this is your first time and before we dive into God's word I actually want to share a little something with you guys and it's something that I absolutely love and hate by a show of hands does anybody have anything like that something that you love and hate all at the same time it's like laundry I like washing it I hate folding it right (laughs) You guys are good. Thank you. Uh, So for me, uh, growing up, one of the things that I loved and hated doing was going to the grocery store with my dad, doing the milk run. Uh, And I loved it because, see, my dad, uh, anytime I would get to go with my dad, it would mean that I would get to pick out something for me, right? So whether if it was ice cream, it was a toy, um, and before Costco, because I didn't, I didn't grow up around Costco, I grew up around Walmart, right? Uh, we would stop by the deli, and my dad would say to the person behind the counter, hey, uh, which one do you think it's better, the Swiss cheese or the Monster? And the person would always say the same thing. Well, let me cut you a sample so you could try it. And I'd be like, yes, snacks before dinner, right? And Those are the things that I loved about going to the grocery store with my dad was the bonding. I got to learn how to look at different cuts of meat and fish. But the one thing I hated was when it was time to check out. Not because we didn't have the money to pay for the groceries, but because every single time, even today, I'm 33, going on 34, he still does it to me and I'm grown, right? (laughs) Uh, We get to the line and as we're standing in line, he'll say, Hey, wait right here. I forgot something. And the thing is, as you're growing up, he would leave me there with all these groceries, my ice cream, my toy. And I'm standing there and the line is moving and my dad is nowhere to be found. 
And I'm looking around. I'm like, this is so embarrassing. I have all these girls. He didn't even leave a card. He didn't leave me cash. Like, if he would have left me with a 20, hey, I'll pick something out. Cool. But no, I was there standing in line. And it happened often enough that I began, I, I got really good at it. I began to analyze the things that were happening, right? So I would look at the person in front of me. I would look at their cart. Do they have a lot of things? I would look at the person behind me, be like, hmm. We could kind of gauge it, right? And if the clerk was good, I was like, all right. And I knew the time for me to make the decision was when I got to the conveyor belt. Because if I put myself on the conveyor belt and my dad wasn't there, it's embarrassing, right? So more often than not, what would happen or what I would do is I would wait until I got to the conveyor belt and I would let the person behind me go. Just, hey, my dad's not here. He told me to wait. He said he was going to be back. He's not here. Too bad. And I kid you not, like clockwork, as soon as, as I let that person pass me, my dad would show up. What are you doing, son? I told you I'd be back. And I'm like, so, you know, I'm a kid. I'm still, well, I still say this. I didn't see you. You know, I saw the tabloids, but I didn't see you. Like, dad, where are you at? And he would be like, but I told you I was coming back. I, and at that point, he doesn't want to make a scene because I let this person go in front of me, right? And, 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 I, and he would always just be almost upset at the fact that I didn't trust him at his word. And as believers, we tend to do the same thing, don't we? As believers, God gives us a word. He, he gives us, he, he provides us a command and we just become disobedient because we don't feel him close. Oh, I got really quiet. Some of you guys have the same experience at the grocery store, but with Jesus. Okay, we're in agreement. Perfect. Right? And what we end up doing is instead of trusting God to do what he said he was going to do, we start getting concerned and we start becoming worried because God is not showing up in our time. And even though we're next in line, even though the the things, the pressure is getting bigger, we, we try to make do with our own and then we end up failing. And God is just, I'm right here. I told you I was going to come back. Why did you rush? So let me ask you this. What if you and I I trusted, would trust God to say, to do, to, if we would trust God to do what he was going to do. What if we had just been more patient on God? How many things would we would have saved, how much pain we would have saved ourselves had we just been a little bit more patient? Let me put it this way. What if we would just endured a little bit longer? Because that's really what it is. You endured something uncomfortable, and because God didn't show up on your time, you took it upon yourself to resolve a problem that only he could fix. So at the end of the day, what it looks like if we begin to endure or to hold on, it would be that we will ultimately trust God to do what he do. And the church that we're going to be looking at today in the book of Revelations did exactly that. They were a church that were obedient down to the core. God gave them a command and they endured patiently. So the message, the title for the message today is Embrace Endurance. Embracing Endurance. And I know it's, it's, it's hard to embrace endurance because nobody wants to suffer. We all want to be, actually we avoid suffering. We avoid going through tough times. I don't, I've never met somebody be like, I can't wait. It's about to get hard. (laughs) I'm next. Here we go. (laughs) 
No, on the, on the contrary, we want to, hey, let's, let's get the fast pass through the trouble. Let's just skip to the front of the line. Let's, let's forget the trial and get to the blessing. And yes? How many of you guys are, let's just get to the blessing. Like, God, why, why the trial? I don't need this. Like, you put me through enough. Right? But the church in Philadelphia, see, the church in Philadelphia didn't do that. They actually endured all the way through. And before we dive into the, t- into the text, I want to give you some context about this church. And I told you the name of the church is Philadelphia, much like our city here, the brotherly love, because the king that founded it had a special love for his brother, so they named it Philadelphia. The other part about this church that we're going to be looking at is it was located on a main trading route. Um, It was also known as Little Athens or the gateway to the east because people would go through it to get to Rome or to or get to the east. And there would be a lot of trading that would happen in between. So they call it the gateway. Now, the other part about this is that Athens, much like California, had some really good crops, particularly grapes like Napa, and they didn't have garlic because it's not Gilroy, and nobody likes the smell of garlic. We just like cooking with it. Let's be real, right? Um, but the, what ended up happening is this city was, the, the crops were really good because they were next to a volcano. But the result of that, much like us here in California, is that they were prone to earthquakes. At one point, there was an earthquake so bad that it destroyed the city and another 10 cities around it. It sounds kind of like us, right, when, the, when it happened at Candlestick Stadium, right, when that big earthquake happened. You guys see the parallels here? So we could almost say that this is the church of San Jose or the church of San Francisco just named Philadelphia, if we really look at it. But that's enough context. Let's dive into the word. Revelations chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 13. Revelations chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. And it says, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, I write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, but though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Verse 10, since you have kept my command to endure patiently. If you're taking notes or if you have your Bible, go ahead and just highlight that verse. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of the heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I ask that you open up our hearts and minds to receive the message that you have for us today. 
And I thank you, Lord, in advance because of the great things you're going to do. In the name of Jesus, we all said, Amen. Amen. So we see that this church endured patiently. That's actually the highlight of the entire story, that they endured patiently. Now, English being my second language, I always have to look stuff up because I hear people say certain things and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And then when I look up what it is, I was like, oh, no, what did I agree to? Right. So when I look at the word endure, the thanks to Miriam Webster, it says to remain firm under suffering or misfortune without yielding to remain firm while suffering. Doesn't that suck to endure? There's no, I, I was trying to find a nice word for it, but it's really, really bad. See, because when we start going through tough times, it seems like time slows down, doesn't it? Like the days just get long. It's like when things are good, time flies by. Like I'm on vacation. Oh, my vacation is over. What happened? But when you're going through something hard, it's like, it's still, it's only been five minutes. <laughs> Does, right? And then you're just like, can time just speed up? Right. And a lot of times we find ourselves just doing this from day to day. So it seems like we're suffering day after day. It seems like another day of enduring of being single, another day of you're on the opposite of being married. Some of you. Uh, another day on this job. Another day with this horrible co-worker. Another day of having to listen to Miss Sael because Micaiah is not here. <laughs> right. But if we're serious, what does it look like if we're enduring another heartbreak? If we're enduring the diagnosis or the illness? If we're enduring another day without a loved one that we lost unexpectedly? Those are the kind of things that we don't enjoy. Those are the kind of things that we want to avoid. So if enduring is so bad, why would we want to embrace it? Why would we want to embrace the suffering and the pain? Could it be that God is trying to show you how great he is through your suffering? So if you're taking notes, here's my first point. God wants to show you that he's greater than, and you fill in the blank. I'll leave that up to you. I don't, I don't give you complete notes. You can fill in the blank on your own. God is greater than my trouble. God is greater than my diagnosis. God is greater than my loneliness. God is greater than my singleness. God is greater than what I'm going through right now, including the pain. See, when you focus on something greater than what you are facing or that when, than what you're enduring, the pain or the suffering doesn't seem that it, it stretches itself out. Right? As we watch the Olympics, the 2020 Olympics in 2021, it's kind of funny, right? We see all these, all these athletes that made it onto their teams to represent their countries. And we, when we look at them, we have to think about that they endured. They endured, they beat out a whole bunch of other people to have, to, to have the privilege to represent the USA or Puerto Rico. I'm the only one. That's cool. That's all right. I'll take it. We have one medal, two medals in like 20 years. Yes, we won one this year, right? But the thing about the, the Olympic athletes is that they endure the crazy training, the diets, the lack of sleep, the, the injuries. They endure it all because they're focused on a medal. They endure longer than the competitor because they wanted to make the team to have a chance at winning a medal. 
As believers, I could tell you that if you and I would focus on the one who is greater than what we are going through, you will endure. See, he left an example for you and I. Jesus didn't bear the cross. He endured the cross. Because as he was enduring the cross, he thought of you and me. What was the greatest thing? What was so great about the cross? It wasn't that he had to hang there because we, if, you, if you study the Bible, you see that Jesus said, hey, if you could pass this cup from me, translation, can you find somebody else? <laughs> I don't want to endure this for Misael. You know he's going to mess up. <laughs> but yet he still went and endured because when you focus on the one who is greater than the situation, greater than the suffering, he has the authority to make it go away. I'll prove it to you because I like proving stuff with the Bible. Can we put a verse seven, if you don't mind? And that's the first verse that we read. And it says to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, I write, these are the words of him who is holy and true. And here it is. And who holds the key of David. And it wasn't that he had the keys to the palace or the keys to his house or the keys to his car. What the, what the key represents, it represents supreme authority. If you look a few chapters before in Revelation chapter 1 verse 8, it says that he has the keys to Hades. Hades is another word for hell. So let me, let me, let me interpret it for you. If you're going through hell, find the person who has the keys to get you out of hell. Amen. Right? It seems funny, but it's true because he has all authority here on earth as he does in heaven. He has the keys of David. And when you have the right key, it makes a difference. I'm telling you because I've had the wrong key for what I thought was the right car, but it was very frustrating when I couldn't get into it. (laughs) Oh, I'm going places. No, you're not. You got the wrong key. I had the car, but no key. How many of us are standing at the wrong door with the wrong key? How many of us, how many of us are waiting for, for something to change, but we don't know the key master? How many of us are waiting for God to open up a door, but we find ourselves stuck because we're there with the wrong keys? Or are we focused on the wrong one? See, because when you focus on somebody who is greater than your problem, then he shows up. See, the rest of the verse says, he says, what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. See, he has all authority, enough authority to keep the door open for you and let you out of your trouble, but also the authority to keep the door closed. And there's a two-way street here. There, there's, it works out because a lot of times we're looking for the exit and we're mad because we're enduring, we're in pain, we're going through something and God would open a door. Like, God, don't you love me? Just open the door. You, I know you can do it. You did it for Israel. You open up the Red Sea. I'm asking you to get me out of this problem. A lot of times the reason God doesn't open a door is because he's trying to protect you from something. See, a lot of times we see it as God not wanting to do our will, but the thing is he's trying to keep you from something that's on the other side. So if he doesn't open the door, guess what? Just thank him and continue moving on. We spend so much time beating our heads against doors that don't open, and God is just saying, if I let you go through that door, you're going to endure more pain than what you're going through right now. I know this seems tough. I know this seems hard. I know it's getting hot, but let me tell you, just wait. Just hang on. And as you hang on, don't stop doing what you are doing. What do I mean? Look at verse 8. 
It says, I know your deeds. He saw them serving. He saw you praying for your situation. He saw you reading your Bible. He saw you serving here at church. He saw you at backpack giveaway. He saw you at Easter. He saw you for Christmas tree giveaway. He saw you this morning. He saw you contemplating whether or not you were going to come today. He saw you debating those things. He sees you doing your works. But look at this. The next verse says, or the next part of the verse says, see. Pay attention. And there's a comma because, see, what it's trying to tell the church in Philadelphia is, I have opened a door that no one can shut. A lot of times we don't see the door because we're just caught up in our feelings. It's so hot, God, oh my goodness, please. And God is saying, if you would just focus and see that the door is open, but you're too busy complaining, you're too busy worrying about what we don't have that you're failing to see what you do have. And I like how the verse continues and it says that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet... You have kept my word and have not denied my name. If you have your Bible, go ahead and highlight the word little strength. Because we want to shout when we say, hey, I kept the word. But he just called this church weak. See, theologians say that he he used the term little strength because they were a smaller church. They weren't a humongous crowd, but they were a smaller crowd. They didn't have a huge influence, but he, he recognizes the little strength. He recognizes that in in, in spite of their lack of strength, they still, God opened a large door for them. Large doors have small hinges. Little strength opens large doors. Large doors have small hinges, which means that if they obeyed and they were faithful with the small, God opened something large. I like the way Jesus said it in his parable of the talents. He said, if you are faithful with a a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. And I like when he talks about it because he doesn't refer to the influence of the social status like many of us want to have when we want things to change. We try to use our position or where we live or what we do to get doors to open for us. We want to network. We want to, hey, I know so-and-so, so so I know you can get me in. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, I know she works here, so I know you're going to give me that friend's discount. No? Nobody else? Nobody else tries to get their stuff on the low low? Off the back of the truck? No, don't get it off the back of the truck. That's too hot. (laughs) (laughs) But here is where where I want to get to is that even though they had little strength, they still kept their word. Your ability to wait in suffering when things have not arrived Your ability to steward what is in your hands right now, regardless of your strength, is what God is looking at. He is looking at your faithfulness. Faith is the substance of things not things, substance of things not seen, things that we hope for. How do you measure something that's invisible? How do you measure the air in the room? That's about two cubic feet. See, this, the word says that faith without works is dead, right? So if faith without works is dead, faith expresses itself in works. 
they expressed their faith in their obedience. They believed even though they had little strength. They obeyed even though they couldn't understand why. They did what they couldn't see. Look at verse 10. And it says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently. In modern English, you obeyed my commands. You did what I told you to do. You weren't Misael at the grocery store. You actually obeyed the instructions that I left you. But what did he ask him to do? He asked the church of Philadelphia to endure patiently. Now, here's the kicker. It's not only to endure suffering, but he asked him to do it patiently. If there's something that's worse than enduring is having to do it without complaining. Because when you're going through a rough time, you want the world to know. I'm wearing a shirt. Hey, I'm single, ready to mingle. I just got left. (laughs) My heart's breaking. I'm married. I'm happily married, by the way, for the record. I love my wife. She's amazing. And if you guys don't know, she's about yay high, literally yay high. And she's sassy. So if there's a problem, she'll handle it for me. I just stand back and endure the beating. (laughs) But what is patiently? Bearing pains or triumphs calmly without complaining. What could allow you to endure patiently? What would allow you to go through the difficult situation, the difficult time you are facing? What would allow you to do it patiently? I'll tell you the secret is knowing what the Bible says. Because if you know, you know. If you know what the word says, then you can patiently endure. There's no reason to freak out because there's promises left in the Bible. Let me prove it to you. Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to those who are brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That sounds like somebody who's enduring something, doesn't it? So technically, if we really want to just break it down, the time where God is the closest to you is in the moment of your enduring. Now, here's the nice part. When you're going through it, if he's close, that means he's with arms, with arms reach. You may not see him, but he is still there with you. Psalms 40, 11 says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and heard my cry. The creator of the universe will stop the angels from saying, holy, 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 to say, hold on, somebody's crying out. I need to listen to what they're saying. I see them enduring and they're crying out. And my word says, and I'm no respecter of man to lie, so I have to stop what I'm doing and pay attention. See, when I look at the Bible, every time God shows up to a situation, a miracle happens. See, because if you could do it, then he wouldn't get the glory. But when he does it, when he does it, He could do it so much better than you and I. And if we look at the rest of the verse, it says, I will also. So as you endure patiently and you follow the commands and you obey faithfully, he will also. The word says that he will do exceedingly and abundantly more than what we could ever ask. So when he says, I will also, it means in addition to the bonus, the freebie. Hey, you want, you want an extra chicken wing? Here's an extra chicken wing on the house. Oh, you, you were going through something? Don't worry about it. You lost everything like Job did? I'm going to give you twice as much. I don't have to, but I want to. I will also keep you from the hour of your trial that is to come on the whole earth 
to test the inhabitants of the earth. The theologians believe that this is talking about the rapture and how the church will be lifted up before the great trial. But also, they also believe that the church in Philadelphia was going to encounter some really difficult times. However, however, because they were obedient, because they endured patiently, because they, they, they followed the command to endure patiently, God put them over what they were about to face. Let me put it to you this way. How many things have you not gone over because you didn't endure patiently? How many things are, have, have you had to gone through because you didn't obey the original command? See, the door that God opens, no one can shut. The door to your next, to your next season, the door to your breakthrough, the door to the blessing, the door to your next hinges on your obedience. The door to your next hinges on your obedience. The reality is that some of us are more, are more obedient to our GPS because we don't want to get lost in the middle of nowhere. But without God, we're, we are truly lost. Not only are we lost here on earth, but we're lost for all eternity. And that's a really deep thought to take in at the fact that had I just obeyed, had I just waited in the suffering, God. Well, God doesn't talk to me, Messiah. Have you tried talking to him? Well, well um, um, he, he doesn't tell me what to do. I wish there was a manual. Oh, you wish there was a manual? Oh, I got, a, I got good news for you today. I'm glad you came today. It's called the Holy Bible, 66 books, beautiful, Old Testament, New Testament, a lot of promises, really good, interest-free, take it today. <laughs> See, and if you went to, if you attend the growth tracks, then you would use soap. What is soap? Come to growth tracks, and I tell you, today, after service, 15 minutes, second floor, free pizza. Did you just snore? (laughs) If you know the word, then you can endure patiently. If you know what the promises that God has left for you and you follow them and you are obedient, guess what? The door hinges on your obedience. If you are stuck in suffering, what are you not obeying? What are you, what command did he leave for you that you're not following? Let me put it a different way. What do you keep on going back to that he pulled you out from? What are you holding on to that he told you to let go of? See, because obedience comes in many different ways. We think if it's, you know, if I just dress it up or I tell Jesus, maybe if I, if I color it in pink, he might like it more. Because we... Because we overcame once, then it gets harder and it gets harder and harder. So I have to go back to those things. But let me tell you, the greater the opposition, the greater the opportunity. The greater the problem, the greater the opportunity. When the person is able, when you are able to hold on, when you are able to uh, endure, you are demonstrating to God that you can be obedient in the worst of circumstances that you are able to endure patiently because you embraced his promises and commands. And here's the beauty about embracing endurance. 
although it hurts, although nobody really wants to embrace the pain or go through the trial or go through the difficulty, did you know that embracing endurance honors? Embracing endurance honors. So look, let's look at verse 12. I like to prove stuff with scripture just so you don't think I'm making this up and that I stayed up all night making stuff up, right? Verse 12 says, the one who is victorious, and highlight this part, I will make a pillar. Highlight the word pillar. In the temple of my God, never again will they leave it. I will write on, the, I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on them. The reason I had, you, I had you highlight the word pillars is because pillars are significant for two reasons in this particular scripture, in this particular text. The first one is, remember we talked about that the city of Philadelphia, they were in a place that they endured earthquakes, right? Really severe earthquakes, So to the church in Philadelphia, when they receive this letter and they hear that they're going to be made pillars, pillars were a sign of stability. Pillars meant that even that when the ground under them was shaking, they knew that they could hold on to a pillar. You guys, if you guys grew up in California, I had a little bit of upbringing here in California. I remember in school, they would tell you, if there's an earthquake, get under your desk. If you're at home, hold on to the to the frame of the door. Why? There's stability, right? There's this, the world may fall around you, but if you're on the doorframe, you can just hang on. You'll be okay. Not true, but <laughs> if it's going to fall, it's going to fall. <laughs> but for the sake of the message, the pillar, the foundation, it meant stability. It meant that even that when you're going through your personal earthquake, what's a personal earthquake? Something so severe that everything around you is falling. Something that shook you to your core. Maybe it was the news that you weren't expecting. Maybe it was a situation. Maybe it was something that occurred that shook you so hard that you didn't know whether you were going to be able to stay standing. But to the church in Philadelphia, they saw it that way. However, the word says that he would make them pillars Because even when the ground is shaken under you, when you embrace endurance, God will make you a pillar, not only for you, but to those around you, to your family, to your friends, to your co-workers. So when they look at you, they say, how did you make it through? There's no way you were supposed to make it this far. Or when people are polite, oh my goodness, I didn't think I'd see you here. What they're trying to say is, I know what you were facing, and I didn't expect to see you here because I didn't think you were going to survive. And when people tell you that, it's because I'm a pillar. (laughs) Jesus saw me through my earthquake. Jesus saw me, even though you didn't think I was going to make it, I am standing firm on the rock, on the cornerstone, Jesus Christ, because I decided, decided to endure. Reason number two. See, in ancient cities, what they would do is after the cities were destroyed or if they were conquered and they would start to rebuild them is they would honor the leaders that they had. How would they honor them? They would build pillars and they would scribe the name of that person on a pillar. 
So before monument, before somebody carved it on a stone, they had a pillar. And anytime somebody would come through the city, because remember the Church of Philadelphia was on a trading zone. It was on that main route. They would come in. Oh, I didn't know they took care of the city. Oh, I didn't know that they, that, they, that they supported the city. The city would honor those by building these great pillars, and people would see their names. See, the scripture says that he will make us pillars in his temple. See, God's pillars are not made of stone because God's pillars are made of faithful people who are obedient and endure patiently. The pillars are faithful people who embrace endurance to honor God. If I could have the worship team join me. They endure patiently. They embrace endurance. And because you chose to obey God, then God, and you honor God through your obedience, he then honors you in return. It's not easy to endure, but there is a blessing in embracing endurance. Go ahead and stand with me, church. As some of us go through different situations in life, as some of us are enduring difficult situations, I want to remind you that if you're going through it, God is with you. I want to remind you that if you choose to embrace and you choose to hold on, God will see you through. And if this message didn't speak to you, God hit me really hard with this because the reality is I've been enduring. And although I don't show it because I'm always smiling on the inside, I'm going through an earthquake. Because it's okay, the world tells us it's okay to say that it's okay. But the reality is that God sees it whether it's on the outside or on the inside. And as I'm studying this word, God is just smacking me around. I'm like, why'd you have to hit me so hard? Because in the midst of my enduring, he was the closest to me. I usually reach out to my dad when when I find myself in a difficult situation. He's, uh, He's older, he's a veteran. He's been through it. And I remember that he told me, he said, Misael, just hang on. It's going to be worth it. And I was like, Dad, but you, it, it sucks. It's hard. And he said, Misael, I know it's hard. And I wish I could do it for you, but this is between you and God. And if you would just hang on, you'll understand. So I'm going to share the same words with you today. You would understand that embracing endurance is not for the faint. 
He's not going to put you in something you can't endure. He will put you in something so that you can move further along. I'm going to close with this. Wikipedia, which is like (laughs) the hood dictionary, right? (laughs) I was looking up the word endurance, and it said that oftentimes the word endurance is looked at is looked at your ability to withstand more than what you could before. And people see, when people see how much you can hang on or how much further you can go, they consider that progress. Progress. And I was like, suffering is considering progress. No, your ability to withstand where you are is progress. And your ability to withstand will testify to others of the great things that God can do. If you need prayer, I'm going to open up the altar. If you want to make an altar there where you are. And I'm going to have the worship team lead us in the song. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.